0: are like, oh my gosh, that time was so short, and the introverts are like, I've been sitting in my seat for the last three minutes. <laughs> well, contrary to the weather that we had this morning, this past week was spring break for uh, those of you who had grade school kids, 12th grade and below, and um, we, we had a conversation with our neighbors across the street, they surprised their kids um, for, with a last minute trip to Disney uh, during spring break. It was, and and, and she, she informed them that it was, their, it was their birthday gift for the year. Um, and she let them know that they were going to go to Disney. And she, she was talking about it with us while, while her son, who was a kindergartner, was in the room with us. And he, he was having difficulty grasping the trip to Disney was his birthday gift, and that was his gift. And he was asking her, so, so we're not getting any gifts for my birthday? Like, I'm not getting anything, like we're going, he's like, can we get like maybe one thing for my birthday? And uh, sometimes we, we don't understand the value of, of the gifts that we're given, uh, trips to Disney and things like that. Um, sometimes the heart of the giver is not always received in the same way by the one who's receiving the gift. I got a video I want us to take a look at this morning of a, an annu- of a Disney trip announcement that didn't go the way mom or dad planned for it to go. Take a look. Put these on. Cause we're going to Disney, baby. I want to go to Dick's house. See, I told you. We're going to Disney World. We're almost there. Are you kidding me right now? (laughs) (laughs) What a great response. Uh if you couldn't hear what the little boy said, he's like when she told her he was going to Disney, he's like, I wanted to go to daycare. <laughs> daycare, Disney. Maybe they get maybe he's got a great daycare, I don't know. Here's a, here's another video clip I want you to guys watch. It had a little bit of a different reaction. Take a look. What's this? What else is in there? Snacks. What else is in here? More snacks? That's it. Where do you think we should take all this stuff? Leave it here. Where do you want to go with it? Um. If you could go anywhere, where would you want to go? <laughs> Why don't we go? Okay, let's go. Now. Today. Kay. I'm being I'm being serious. We going? We're leaving today to go to Disneyland. Are you joking? No, I'm not joking. Are
1: we done? Yes, we're going.
0: We're going. <laughs> <laughs> But we're going. I'm crying too! I'm crying too! You excited? Give daddy hugs! Are you gonna worry about it? We're going. When daddy gets home from work. When daddy gets home from work. Do a happy dance! Yeah! I love you! I love you too! Okay, bye! I'd take that kid anywhere, right? <laughs> Sometimes our reaction uh, of the gift that we have been given uh, is, is significant in receiving the gift. But what I want us to understand this morning too is that it's, it's the heart of the giver and the heart of the receiver that need to be on the same page, that need to be in sync. For the gift to be received. We all love receiving gifts, not just because we're getting something new, though that is nice, but also because receiving a gift communicates that the giver cares for us. A gift is a sign that someone loves us. But what really makes a gift valuable is the heart that the gift is given with. Uh, If if you're a parent of a young child, you know what what this looks like when your precious little one brings you their creation, whether it be a macaroni necklace or a scribbling on a piece of paper. Sometimes it's the heart of the gift more so than the value of the gift. And there's a difference between priceless and worthless. And so we take that beautiful work of art and we put it at the place of honor in our house and we attach it to the refrigerator. And the reason why it's the place of honor in our house is because it's where Daddy spends the most time. So when my kids are like, why is Daddy always at the refrigerator? I'm I'm just absorbing the beautiful works of art that my kids have created. Like, they don't want it anywhere else, right? Like, sometimes we try to get away with like, oh, we'll put it over here. We'll put it in your special box. They're like, no, 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 no. Up on the fridge. That's where I want the gift, the seat of honor in the house. Um, God demonstrates his love for us in, si- in a similar way. God demonstrated his love for us by giving us Jesus. And an amazing supernatural transaction takes place when this happened. When God gave us Jesus, his greatest treasure, his heart followed, and our dead, broken, sin-diseased hearts were given new life. Have you ever asked yourself the question, Why? Why? Why would God do this? What did I do to receive his gift, to deserve this kind of love? Or maybe you're asking yourself, does God really care about me? Does he really love me because the circumstances that I'm in or the situations that are happening to me right now don't feel like I'm in a loving relationship with God? Or maybe you believe the lie that our behavior or our background will disqualify us from God's love. And even followers of Jesus fear that our repeated sin has made us useless in the hands of God. We find ourselves confused about our identity. We've lost our boldness. We've lost the very pulse of God's heartbeat. Why does God love us? And how do we know? And if we do desire to be men and women after God's own heart, how do we know God's heart? And how does it reveal our identity, our mission, the very purpose for our lives? I'd like to take a moment this morning and take a look at a well-known passage of Scripture that talks about the heart of God. And it's found in the Gospel of John in chapter 3. If you want to open your Bibles or your apps to John chapter 3. As you're turning there, the Gospel of John as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were all written by John, which is helpful to figure out who the author is there. And John was the son of Zebedee, and he was a disciple of Jesus, and throughout uh, throughout the Gospel he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved, which I think is kind of a unique title to give yourself. Um, it, would be, it would be kind of awkward and funny for me to welcome you guys to our church and introduce myself instead of as Pastor Mark, the youth and family pastor, I'm Pastor Mark, the one that Doug Dement loves. <laughs> I don't know what sort of anxiety that would build up in the other pastoral staff, but what John wanted us to understand is that he had a close relationship with Jesus. And relationship was very important to John. In fact, the Gospel of John, more than any of the other Gospel writers, points out the special relationship that Jesus has with God the Father. And so if you would read with me, I'm going to read John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21 all together, and then we're going to go back and break the passages down a little bit more and, uh, and discover what it has to say. So in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever loves, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that they may be seen plainly for what they have done and uh, what has been done in the sight of the Lord. To have the heart of God, we need to know the heart of God. And it starts by examining this passage and specifically the gift that was given to us. The first thought that I want to give you tonight or this morning is this idea that God gave us the gift of Jesus. God gave us the gift of Jesus. In John three sixteen, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God demonstrated or showed his love by giving his son. John wanted to make it clear that God's motivation is love and care and concern for us. God's love for all of us is so great that he showed it by giving up his most prized possession, his son Jesus. If you've ever been here at Grace for very long, you've probably heard me make the statement before that just because it's a free gift does not mean it's a cheap gift. Just because it's a free gift does not mean it's a cheap gift. Salvation through Jesus may be a free gift, but it does not mean it's a cheap gift. In fact, it cost God everything to give it to us. The love that we have been shown through the gift of Jesus it's hard for us to grasp, not so much because God is so good, but because we are so bad. Here's the next thing I want, just want us to learn this morning, that God gave despite our sin. God gave despite our sin. If you'd look back, at starting at verse 17, we're going to read 17 and 18 again. In the first book of the Bible in Genesis, we're told that God created man and woman and he declared that they were good, but they chose to rebel against God so that they could be like God, knowing both good and evil. That's found in Genesis chapter 3. And ever since then, we have been choosing to do the same thing. Does this sound familiar to you? Don't tell me what to do. Who are you to tell me what's right and what's wrong? I'll decide what's best for me. And the very same lie that that ushered sin into the world, this concept that I'll determine what's right and what's wrong, I'll be my own God, I'll determine what I can do and what I can't do, I'll determine what's right for me, I'll determine what I choose to do, is the same lie that we believe every day and the same choice that we make over and over again. I'm going to decide what's right and wrong for me. Don't you tell me what I can do and what I can't do. And it's the very same lie. I'm my own God. I'm the one who determines the course of my life. And ever since that first decision was made, the choice of rebellion, which is called sin... Sin runs so deep within us that without God, there is not a single area of our life that's not affected by sin. All the sickness, violence, pain, hatred, death, all the brokenness in the world, uh, that the world experiences is the result of our willing choice to sin. And that's not just the result of a few really bad people. This is a worldwide pandemic. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. The pronoun all that's being used there, if you aren't familiar with that word, means everybody. (laughs) It means all of us. Not most of us, not the worst of us, all of us fall short of God's glorious standard. Our sin leaves us condemned and separated from God. John 3.17 tells us that though Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, the world was already condemned because of sin. And condemnation ultimately means death. We have a lot of folks that work in our church that are part of the dental profession, and I'm not saying they're the cause of death, Um, but... It would be likened to us walking into the dentist's office and the dentist telling us that we have cavities. It's not the dentist's fault that we have those cavities. Those cavities already existed. We've already inflicted that pain on ourselves. He's just, he or she is just there to try to help make the situation better. Our sin is not God's fault. Our sin is our own fault, and we have already been condemned because of our sin. We are responsible for our sin, not God. Our sin has already condemned us, but God has provided a way for us to be saved from our sin through Jesus. Despite our sin, God sent Jesus to save the world through Him. John 3:18 tells us that whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Our belief and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus gives us restored eternal relationship with the Father. This was a gift given out of love that even in Romans 5.10 tells us it was given while we were still God's enemies. While we still hated God, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And we may think to ourselves, well, I, don't, I never really hated Jesus. Before I got saved, I might not really have known about him. But that's the way our hearts work. And we need to understand how broken our hearts are that when we choose to follow our own way, when we choose to rebel against God, it is so offensive in his eyes that it is if we, we, are, we hate him and he, we have made him our enemy. But God loved us so much through that that while we were still his enemies, He gave us the gift of his son despite our sin. We were dead in our sins. But in giving us Jesus, he also gave us another gift. And this is the third idea I want to present to this morning is that God gave us new life. Look back with me at verse 19 through 21. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone does evil and hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly for what they have done, and what they have done has been done in the sight of God. John here describes two types of people. There are people who love the darkness, and there are people who love the light. We love the darkness because it hides our flaws. The darkness allows our mistakes to go unnoticed. The truth about who we really are can be hidden and the lies that we believe can be hidden there as well. And it's in the darkness that sin abounds. The light and the darkness and the metaphor that's used in the Bible here is a metaphor that's used a lot and especially because it was an agricultural culture. And they understand the fact that things don't grow in the darkness. Actually, the things that grow in the darkness are like fungus and mold. And we don't want to be that. But it is in the light that things grow. But we love the darkness because we can hide in the darkness. However, in the light comes truth. Comes life. Who we really are is found in the light. Who we were meant to be, what the purpose of our life is, is found in the light. And our brokenness can be healed in the light. But I recognize that light can be uncomfortable. It makes our sin known and it brings it to the surface. But it forces us to trust and love the one who makes us new, Jesus. The light forces us to be confronted and to be honest about our inability to solve our own hurt and pain and brokenness and sin. And it frees us from trusting ourselves and allows us to trust Jesus. We're called to be people of the light, but it requires humility. It requires submission It requires a recognition that there is something broken in us that needs to be healed, and we can't hide it in the darkness anymore if we want to be healed. What an amazing gift that has been given to us. What unfathomable love we have been shown. God gave us his greatest treasure, and his heart followed There's a lot of interesting things on the internet, including those two videos that I found. And I found this little guy on the internet as well. And yes, it is a plush anatomical heart. And if I've learned anything from Pastor Jeff, illustrations are very helpful, if not very bright. (laughs) I want to talk about our heart for a minute. And I just thought this guy was cute and it was an excuse to make a purchase. I have a twin sister. And um, no, we are not identical. <laughs> though it is interesting that when people find out I have a twin, even though I let them know it's a twin sister, that's the first thing our brains go to, right? Well, I think we're, there's something about us so, ex- there's this notion so exciting about someone looking exactly like somebody else that like we here like, oh, you're a twin? Yeah, yeah, are you guys identical? And I say to them, yes, she looks exactly <laughs> like me. Much to her disappointment. Um, actually, my twin sister, she's five one. She's a little tiny, little tiny thing. But there is something that my sister and I have in common, and she's probably going to listen to this message later, so I'm going to speak very nicely about my sister because <clears throat> she's a wonderful, wonderful lady, and I love her very much. Both my, both my sister and I were born with a heart defect. We were both born with a heart defect. Hers is called... Mitral valve prolapse and essentially what that means is there's a valve in her heart that's lazy now Michelle I'm not saying that you're lazy I'm saying that there's a valve in your heart that is lazy and what happens is is it doesn't seal correctly and it doesn't seal tight and so blood kind of filters back and forth and it creates this murmur, this arrhythmia in her heart and her heart doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. And it can create all sorts of difficulties. I also have a heart defect as well and it's called premature ventricular contractions. And essentially what that means is um, there, my heart gets tired. And so I don't exercise, because why, <laughs> why put myself through that? Actually, what it means is my heart gets, gets lazy sometimes and gets tired, and so it just decides, you know what, you're working too hard, so I'm just going to skip this beat. You probably didn't need this one. And so it skips a beat here, and it skips a beat there. And, and what happens when, that, when my heart goes into arrhythmia is basically I'm dying. So um, what happens when our heart doesn't work correctly, when there's any sort of arrhythmia in our heart, it creates stress for our entire bodies, and we get tired, we get dizzy, we, have, uh, we get disoriented, and, 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 it, and it creates for us problems in how we live our lives, and this arrhythmia and the complications that it causes affects the way that we live our lives. Isn't it true that when it comes to our hearts spiritually, that they're all a little weak? They're all a little lazy. Maybe sometimes it beats for the wrong reasons. But certainly, in many ways, our hearts are broken. Allow me to propose this morning that God not only gave us his greatest gift, which is Jesus, his greatest treasure, but he also gave us his heart. God gave us his heart, and in doing so, he also revealed to us what he loves the most, you and me. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus teaches us something very important about the way our hearts work. If you want to take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, and we'll have it up behind me as well, this is what it says. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And many times we get this verse mixed up, we get it backwards, and we believe that, that our treasure follows our heart. But that's not true. That's not the way that our heart works. Where our treasure is, our heart follows that. Whatever we treasure, whatever we value most, whatever we love most, that is what we give our hearts to. And, and usually when we think of the word treasure, we think of pirates for some reason and we think of our finances or our resources. And though it is true that wherever, uh, whatever our finances and our resources go to is usually an indicator of what our heart follows, this verse is talking about so much more than just our resources. It talks about the things that we love the most, what we treasure most in our lives. Let me put this another way. Whatever you love most is your God. Whatever you love most is your God because that's what you give your life to. It's what you give your heart to. It's what you make sacrifices to. It's what you worship. It's what you're willing to compromise all of this over here to pursue this over here. Whatever you love most is your God. And wherever your treasure is, your heart follows. When God gave us his heart, he revealed what he treasures because his heart follows what he treasures. I've got a spoiler alert for you, and it's not an Avengers spoiler alert, so don't worry. Here's what God loves most you. What God loves most is you. And in 2 Peter 3 9, he reminds us. That God's desire is that none should perish. And in John 3:16, we're, we're shown the motivation of God's love, that God gave us Jesus so that none would perish. God's heart beats for His people. That's why He gave us Jesus. That's why He gives us new life. That's why He gives us His heart. God's heart beats for His people, God loves you. And when we treasure anything more than Jesus, anything other than people knowing about and being saved by Jesus, when our hearts are not in sync with God, we find ourselves in spiritual arrhythmia. And our heart is no longer in sync with the heartbeat of God. And when we find ourselves in arrhythmia, we find ourselves confused and tired and weak. Our heart gets out of beat with God's heart. To have the heart of God, you need to know the heart of God. God's heart beats, none shall perish. None should perish. And in turn, our hearts should beat until all know. My mission is to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that I have in Christ to tell anyone I can at any cost that needs to until all know. And when we're out of sync with God's heartbeat and when our treasure is in anything other than what God treasures, we find ourselves in spiritual arrhythmia. And just like medical arrhythmia, we get weak and we get tired and we get disoriented and we don't know which direction to go and we don't know the will of God because our treasure is somewhere else and our heart has followed it. There's a complex procedure that allows people who have medical heart arrhythmia to have it restored and it's called an ablation An ablation, and essentially what an ablation is, is a surgeon uh, goes in with a laser, not like a, not like a, I think they're smaller than that. They go in with a laser and they expertly remove the defects that are in the heart that is causing the arrhythmia. Does this sound familiar to anyone else? The surgeon goes in with a laser and expertly removes the defective tissue that's causing the arrhythmia. This morning we have a great physician that goes into the darkest corners of our heart and with the light of Jesus removes the defective parts of our heart so that it would beat in sync with the Father's heart. We have a physician this morning that takes the light of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit invades the darkest corners of our hearts that is causing our hearts not to beat correctly. The, the thorns and the chains that have constricted and wrapped around our heart because we have allowed our treasure to be somewhere else. We have allowed our heart to be given away to something else and he goes in and expertly removes the things that are damaged that needs to be taken out. So that our hearts will beat in tune with the father if i could have our worship team come forward so what is it that you treasure what have you given your heart to maybe the first question you need to ask yourself is have you received the gift of god's grace because remember, the giver can give with as pure heart and pure a motive as possible. But as we saw in the videos we watched in the, in, at the beginning, even with the purest motives, even with the purest love, if the, heart, if the, other, if the receiver is not ready to receive, the gift is lost on the receiver. And so do you recognize this morning yet that you are in need of God's precious gift, that you are in need of a Savior? Are you aware this morning that sin has so broken your heart, so, so confined your heart, so disrupted the beat of your heart, that you are in need of the giver's gift this morning? If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you find yourself in a season of spiritual arrhythmia. Do you have the heart of God? Do you treasure what he treasures? Or do you need a spiritual ablation this morning? Does your heart reflect God's heart that none should perish? And therefore, at any cost, for any reason, your heart is in tune with God's, always ready to share the truth of the gospel until all We're going to sing this song again this morning. And as we do so, I want us to have an opportunity for the great physician to kind of give us a heart check this morning checking for arrhythmia and murmurs and anything else that's not supposed to be in our hearts this morning. And so, As we sing this song this morning, for some of you, it's to make a decision that, God, I want to give you my heart. I want you to take it and I want you to do the work that you need to. For some of you this morning, it's, God, I need you to take the light of Jesus and penetrate every dark corner of my heart and restore what is dead and broken and breathe life into that tissue again so that I can hear your voice, I can follow your will so I can have strength to continue to press on for the mission and purpose that you have called me to.